today uh, with a message about perception <laughs> and how important our perception is. And in this context, I want to tell you that your perception is your ability to see what God's will is. Your perception is your ability to see what God's will is. If we could turn to Deuteronomy uh, chapter 1, this is going to be the main text that we get into today. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 19. Thank you. It says, Then, as the Lord our God commanded us, we set out from Horeb and went toward the hill country of the Amorites. Through all that vast and dreadful wilderness that you have seen, and so we, have, and so we reached Kadesh Barnea. Then I said to you, you have reached the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, told you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Right? It says, then all of you came to me and said, let us send men ahead to spy. To spy out the land. To spy out the land for us and bring back a report about the route we are to take and the towns we will come to. idea seemed good to me, so I selected 12 of you, one man from each tribe. They left and went up to the hill country and came to the valley of Eshcol and explored it, taking with them some of the fruit of the land. They brought it down to us and reported, it is a good land, the land that our God is giving us. But you were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and said, the Lord hates us. So he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go? Our brothers have made our hearts melt in fear. Where can we go? Our brothers have made our hearts melt in fear. They say they, the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large. The walls up to the sky. We even saw the Anakites there. Then I said to you, do not be terrified. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God, who is going down, who is going before you, he will fight for you. As he did for you in Egypt before your very eyes. And in the wilderness, it says, and in the wilderness, there you saw how the Lord your God carried you. As a father carries his son all the way. You went until you reached this place. I pray for the scripture. Jesus, we give you all the glory and honor, God. God, take the scripture that we have today, God, this message, God, and, and, and allow us to get everything that you want us to get out of it, God. Make it applicable to our lives, God. God, may we receive your revelation from today, God, from your word today, God. Open our ears so we can hear. Open our eyes so we can see. Open our minds, God, so that we can understand in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you. So, here's what happened. Before that, there was a promise. There was a promise before they got to the promised land. Amen. <laughs> there was a promise. So, let's go to Exodus 3. Exodus 3. 
We're going to read Exodus 3, 7 through 8. And here it says, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. If you are here today and you are wondering if God sees your misery, God sees you. God is concerned about you. God sees what you are going through. And he said, I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and the Wheatite, and the Aite, okay, <laughs> okay, all the other Ites, right? God said that he's going to deliver you up out of this out of this land and, and give you into uh, the land of Egypt and give you a promised land. God sees your brokenness and God wants to deliver you, right? This is kind of where it began all in this moment. Let's go to Exodus 17. But after the promise, just like the people we are, we start to grumble and complain, right? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. The people were complaining. Moses was complaining. Everybody was complaining, right? They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and now he's complaining, right? What am I to do with these people? And Pastor Lauren, wherever she's at, said amen. Right? What am I to do with these people? Moses said, what am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand before you by the rock at Horeb, strike the rock, and water will come out of it, for the people will drink. And so Moses did this in the sight of the elders, and he called this place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because the test, they tested the Lord. Is the Lord among us or not? There may be some areas in your life where you might name testing and grumbling. There may be some people in your life that you may name testing and grumbling. I had to sacrifice the temptation to name my children <laughs> testing and grumbling. They have, uh, you know, I, go clean your room. Ah, I don't want to clean my room, you know. I'm not the only parent here, I know. Come on. We all deal with it. But listen, further, you know, Moses complains. The people complain, right? And then let's, let's, go to, let's go to Numbers 11 where Moses actually complains again, okay? Numbers 11, he said, he asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you burden all of these people on me? Moses said, did I conceive all of these people? 
Did I give birth to them? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath, on oath to their ancestors? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me. Give us meat to eat. They're complaining about water. They're complaining about meat. And he says, I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me to bear. If this is how you are going to treat me, God, Moses says, please go ahead and kill me if I have found favor in your eyes. Do not let me face my own ruin. See, further, God essentially says to Moses after this, he's basically saying, hey, you know what? How about I just wipe everybody out and start with your family? But here was, here's uh, Moses' feelings were a little reserved because I think every pastor is a little reserved at the idea of the kingdom of God starting with their own children, right? <laughs> we don't really, you know, when we go home, that's like, wait a second, God, I don't know about this. Um, well, no, but see what Moses does here. He begs God. Moses begs God and he pleads, God, God, be with us, God. God, come with us, God. He begs God and he says, God, our identity is, is wrapped up in you, God. Our identity is found only in you, God. We are only who we are, God, because of you. We're only where we're at because of you, God. And God is with him. He's saying we are only significant if you are with us. There's a New Testament idea right there, right? God, he'll be with you. God is with you. He'll be with you to the very end of the age, as it says in Matthew 28, right? He'll be with you to the very end of the age. And along the journey, God reveals himself that he's I am that I am. He's the light in your darkness, right? He's the guide during the day, right? He's your strength and your weakness. He can heal you, right? He's your comforter. He is, he is your burden bearer, right? He is your healer. He is your strong tower. See, God is revealing who he is along the way, along the times of the trials and the grumbling and the complaining. God is still revealing who he is along the way. See, you may be sick or you may be hurting. You may feel like you're broken. There may be issues in your marriage, but God says, I am the great restorer. I can restore you. Here's what he's saying. Every day God is revealing himself to, to, to Moses, and, and, and he says, and to the Israelites, and he says, listen, in your faith walk, if you are spiritually growing and getting closer to God, then your faith is a response to God's revelation. I'm going to say this again, because I thought this was great. <laughs> it says, if you are spiritually growing and getting closer to God, your faith is a response to God's revelation. If he says he cares for you, then you can lay your cares upon him. Get this. If he says, I love you, you are my son, you are my daughter, I care for you, then you can place your burdens upon him. 
this is where you draw your love from. This is where you draw your strength from. And what does that mean? That means that when you get weak, God is where you get your strength. When you feel faithless, when you are doubting, you, you, you don't believe. And God is saying, I am where you get your faith. I am the ground that you're, you can walk on when you feel like the ground is shifting. He says he will care for you. And so then we get to Deuteronomy 1, right? Remember Deuteronomy, this is Deuteronomy, this is where it all, it all, uh, this all starts at. And he says, uh, by this time, actually, the, the Israelites, they've seen so many miracles, right? They've, um, miracles that would even, by today's standards, be miracles, right? They've seen a sea open up, right? If somebody saw it today, they'd be like, man, this has to be God, right? But what this does is this further conveys God's timelessness. And so they saw a sea opened up. They had uh, an uh, Uber Eats daily delivery of food coming to them, right? <laughs> because God is all about showing you that he has compassion and he cares for you, right? And so then he gives a promised land. And what do they do? What does Moses do? He sends spies. <laughs> Come on. God promises Moses and the Israelites a land. I mean, Moses never, you know, he never made it there, but he gives, he promises this land, and what do they do in return? They send spies. So they send spies, right? And what are spies? Spies, are, that's basically somebody who takes, uh, secretly gathers intel and information, right? But see, but didn't God promise the land? God promised the land, but it was their perception that got them to asking things like, is it a good land? Are, there, are, are the borders protected? Am I going to run into trouble? God, what type of life will I have? And you've asked those questions, right? You've asked those same kinds of questions. Do I have to serve, Lord? I know this ministry needs leaders. God, but, but do I have to serve here? What about when you go evangelizing and you have to evangelize to somebody who smells bad, right? What about when you evangelize with somebody who smells bad? <laughs> Come on. Do I have to tithe the Lord? Because, God, you said you provide, God, you, you promised this land, but, God, do I have to tithe? Because I only have $10, God. You're asking for my last $10? So you're asked those, you ask those same kinds of questions too, right? And then you go and serve. You go and serve. Even when other Christians are convinced that they don't have to serve because that isn't their calling. But you serve anyway because that's what God impressed upon your heart. So Moses sends spies, and they're wondering, God, will you be with us? 
Because, see, this land, the land has to be fought for, right? It's not going to come easy, right? Are you going to fight with us, God, or are you going to forsake us? Because they went through abandonment issues in their life. So they're asking these questions. God, even the leaders that, you've, that, that you have here, God, they aren't even that remarkable. I mean, they can't even tell the difference between quail and manna. God, th- these leaders, I don't even... I don't even really trust them, God, but I'll send them out. So the question is, do you have enough faith? See, what you perceive is what you understand. What you perceive is what you understand. See, there's, um, I didn't always, I'll give you a story. I didn't always wear glasses. This is a very uh, recent event for me. Um, I felt like I always saw fine, actually. Um, and then one day in our kitchen, me and my wife, uh, Catherine, we've been married for 12 years in June. Praise God. <laughs> Throw that in there. Um, so I'm in the kitchen. Uh, and actually, you would think I'd be doing the dishes, but I wasn't. Um, <laughs> and so... I lifted up the blinds in my kitchen window uh, because it's, it, it's not the blinds that have the string. It's the blinds that you lift up, right? So the blinds, I lifted up, but it was really weird because I lifted it up like this. And what I was doing, actually what I was doing was I was watering my kids' plants, actually. Their plants are on the window in the kitchen. So anyways, so I'm watering the plants with this hand, Right, because I'm just sprinkling the water because I didn't want. It's a little, it's a little thing. That I, anyway, so I'm watering the plants and I lift up the the blinds and the rod from the blinds whacks me in the eye. I mean, it's as if you could imagine. It came up this way, so it hit my eye so so badly. I thought I lost my eye. I was in pain. I was. It was bad. This was recent. <laughs> it was pretty bad. So I went to the doctor. <laughs> The uh, ophthalmologist uh, and then the optometrist, they say you need to go and see an eye doctor. You know, it's a little damaged, but it'll heal itself. Don't worry about it. But you do have an astigmatism. What? <laughs> Come on. Come on, doc. I don't believe that. I, I, I just, I don't believe my, I didn't believe my wife when she told me I needed glasses. What makes you think I'm going to believe you? <laughs> I don't need glasses. I can see perfectly fine. But then... I guess, you know, he knew what he was doing. Uh, I, I, I preached the gospel to him, by the way, so I, I you know, I, I, we, we had this relationship already. And so he put this lens, he covered this eye and put a lens up over this eye and told me to read the sign that was way far down. Uh, actually, before that, he told me to read the sign. So I read the sign. It was like some words or whatever. It wasn't the letters that you normally read, right? It was just the sign. So I'm reading the sign. I was like, man, I can read this fine. He said, okay. So he covers this eye, and then he puts a lens up to this eye, and I was like, whoa. Oh, man. It just became clearer somehow. I don't know. So I was just, okay. So I read it clear, even more clearly. <laughs> and then, and then uh, what happened? So after that, he took the lens off my eye, and then it became blurry. I have... It was the strangest thing in my life at the, up to this point. I, had, did, I thought something was wrong with me, honestly. It was so bad that I said, man, what did you do? He said, well, this eye 
compensates for the stigmatism in this eye, and it kind of auto-corrects. He didn't say that word, but that's the best way I could describe it. So he's like, it, it auto-corrects this other eye that's jacked up. So he's like, let me, I said, well, let me, let me see it again, because I don't believe you. I was like, this is not right. I don't, I, you know, even though it just showed me, here I am like the spies. <laughs> I don't believe, even though he's telling me. Anyway, so he's like, he covers his eye again, and he does the same thing. And I said, man, this is crazy that I can see. And so I was reluctant to text my wife, and I was like, man, I need glasses. <laughs> And, of course, she said, I told you you needed glasses. Ten years ago when I told you you couldn't see, you squint at everything. I told you you needed glasses. <sighs> Anyhow, up until that point, I couldn't really, really see. I couldn't. Up until this point in my life, I, I guess I just couldn't see right. I don't know. Up until now. And, and so, anyhow, so they send these 12 spies out to the, uh, to the land, right? And they came back with all of these fun things like grapes, and, and they came back with a testimony of the land, and they said it was good, right? And so these testimonies that they came back, it was like, oh, man, the land is great, you know? And so a little bit of my testimony is, um, you guys probably know it already. I mean, I grew up in a rough, rough childhood. I didn't have much growing up. Um, I grew up living in motels and, uh, and whatnot, I, you know, not, not having the things that children should need growing up, um, in the projects, you know, just doing bad things in my life. I didn't know the Lord. I was selling drugs. I was I, all kinds of stuff. Just, just my life was so jacked up. And, um, and so I met the Lord. Uh, I knew about God, but I didn't really know God. I didn't live the gospel, right? I knew about God, but I didn't read the Bible. I didn't know who God was really, right? And then I met my wife. She made me go to church uh, before we got married. I had to meet her pastor before we started dating, really. And so, you know, that, that's pretty much what that was. So if anybody's single, ladies, make your man go to church, <laughs> all right? <laughs> if, he ain't, if he's not going to church with you, he ain't, he ain't worth it. He dropped that zero, all right? And so, uh, and so we, I got married, and we started having children. We did it the right way, praise God, and, and God has blessed us since then, and I, I'm really blessed um, by that. But I'm, I want to tell you today that the same way that these Israelites were bringing back their testimony, I'm telling you my testimony today that, you know, I was a drug-dealing, weed-smoking nobody. But who knows that God will take a nobody and put them into a church body, and turn them into somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on. God, God will do that. God will turn you into a somebody because you are somebody to God. Tell your neighbor, you are somebody to God. Amen. Hallelujah. See, just like those Israelites who had seen God do some amazing things like keeping me alive. See, I still had to question God like, God, will you lift me up when I fall? God, will you be with me all the way? See, God, when my armor is, has gouges in it and, and cuts in it from the battles, God, will you replace this armor, God? Will you be my, my, my shield, God? Will you be with me, God? Will you help me along the way? God, will you get me to where I need to be? 
to this promised land. See, God will see you through your trials to help you develop your perception. God will see you through your trials to help you develop your perception. And what do I mean by that? I, I want to tell you this. See, sometimes God will use your trials to train those that he trusts. God uses trials to train those that he trusts. You may say in your, to yourself, I want a million dollars. But God is saying, your character is not developed enough yet to handle a million dollars. See, you're saying, God, I want this new job. But God is saying, you're not going to get that job because your character is not developed enough yet. You need to experience rejection. You need to experience rejection, rejection so that when one day you are in the authority to hire and fire people, you will not hire somebody based on, the, uh, you will hire them based on their qualifications and not based on the color of their skin. God will use trials to train those that he trusts. And so now I can stand today and say that God is faithful. There are a lot of things that hinders your perception, right? What is hindering your perception today? That's a good question to ask yourself. What is hindering your perception today? What is hindering you from seeing that God has been with you this entire time? God has been with you this entire time. So back to the 12 spies, right? The 12 spies went in and only two came out, right? Caleb and Joshua. And they said, it's possible. We can take this land. Caleb and Joshua was like, man, this is great. I love this. God sent us here and this land is great, right? And then the 10, what did they say? They said, nope, nope. God led us into this place to kill us. <laughs> Can't happen. That's this. And so you would, you would think that Moses would believe the 10 because that was the majority. But praise God that even then there wasn't any socialism. <laughs> right? God, under, God understood what he was doing. And so, like the world would have it, so many people will discourage you from coming to church, right? From living holy and calling you to do things that will cause your perception to shift just like the 10 did. Just like the 10. But see, that's because their perception was always limited. Their perception was always limited. And those couple of people, Joshua and Caleb, but those, just those couple of people God has in your life to not hold your hand but to hold you accountable. You need a couple of people in your life like a Joshua and a Caleb to help you see what God's promise is. To help you see where the promised land is at and to help you see how to navigate. See here, Moses, Moses sent uh, the, the people, these, these people in to provide a report of the land, but the ten said their, perce but their perception was limited, right? We never know it all. We never know it all. A lot of times we feel like we know it all, but we never actually know it all. And these ten, they could only perceive what they could because of their weakness, because of their fear. 
people fear things all the time, and fear is natural. I don't want you to, you know, get into this mindset that's like, oh, man, fear is natural, but there is nothing in this world that we have to fear because we know the God that can cancel out fear, amen, and instill courage. We know the God that can cancel fear. You don't have to fear, but fear itself in our, and your flesh is natural, but you don't have to abide by that fear. We abide in God, amen? And so because of the flesh, sometimes fear creeps in, and that discouragement turns down the volume of your faith, all right? Let's go to Numbers uh, 13. I'll turn there, too. Numbers 13. Numbers 13. Numbers 13. See, it says, when Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first grapes. Down to 20, verse 23, it says, When they reached the valley of Eshcol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some of the pomegranates and figs. That place was called the valley of Eshcol because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. The Israelites cut off there at the end of the 40 days they returned from exploring the land. Let's go down to verse 31. It says, But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. See, the only way to get over fear, the only way to go to the next level in your faith, it's not a complex formula. It's not, it's not challenging. It, it, I mean, it may be challenging depending on your perception, right? But the way to go to the next level in your faith is not complex, it's not like a, 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 a scientific method, even. It is one step to Jesus living out God's word. That is how you go to the next level. If you are not in discipleship, you have to ask yourself, what is my perception right now? If you are not uh, uh, desiring to go to the next level in your faith, what is my perception, God? You're looking at these giants. You think you're a grasshopper. Sometimes we feel like fear because you're just doing something different, and you feel like that's fear. A lot of times the feeling of the unknown can introduce what would be associated with fear, but that's not fear, right? Even if you're living in pain, that's not fear. 
You have to keep pushing forward. You have to keep pushing onward. You have to keep pushing up. You have to keep striving for excellence. That's not fear because you are in a place where you are grumbling. You're in a place where you're like, God, I don't know if this is a giant to me, God. I'm not sure I can make it. You have to keep pushing forward because you have the God who can cancel out fear. Listen to this. Fear exaggerates things in your life, right? Fear will take what's bad and make it worse. Fear exaggerates things in your life. Fear exaggerates pain. Fear will make the the bad, right, seem worse. Fear will tell you that you will always have pain. And fear will tell you that you will never be good enough, right? Fear will tell you not to start discipleship. Fear will tell you to quit. Fear will tell you you cannot be holy because of a mistake you made. Fear will tell you all of these things. Fear will tell you to go back to smoking when you smell the smoke when you pass by somebody. Fear will tell you those things. But listen, you will always have these what seem like giants in your life. You will always have what seem like giants in your life because fear really is, um, I remember uh, Pastor Joe said this once. He said, fear is false evidence appearing real. Fear is false evidence appearing real. You can quit smoking. You don't have to go back to it. Pain, that pain you feel is temporary. Even if it's just in this life, in the next life, that pain won't be there. All of that fear came from these 10 men. Don't listen to Joshua and Caleb. These guys, we're like grasshoppers. We're like grasshoppers to these guys. They're so, they're so much bigger than us, right? Don't listen to these guys. And every time they say something like that, every time there are these spies in your life, right, this fear, God brings you to a promise. And you're right at the edge of the promised land. You're right at the edge of the promise. And it'll always seem like a giant to you when you walk with God. A promise will always seem like a giant to you. Why is that? Because we serve a big God. A promise will always seem like a giant to you because we serve a big God. See, God didn't say throw a rock into the ocean, did he? God said throw a mountain into the ocean. Anybody can throw a rock into the ocean. Anybody can go and skip some rocks, you know. Anybody can do that. But the few that are called, the few that are chosen, the few that choose to believe in Jesus Christ, the few that would just respond to their call of faith, who would just have the faith the size of a mustard seed, God is with you. Jesus said, I am with you. Abandoned altar workers, would you please come? God said that we are his image, the Imago Dei. God said that we are his image. Whether you like it or not, your identity is in Christ. You don't have to, in your mind, you don't have in your heart, you don't have the likeness of this world. You have the likeness of God. That's what that means. You have the likeness of God. You don't have the likeness of this world. 
You know who else bears the, bears the image of God? Our kids. See, sometimes I'm a little concerned about my kids' faith. Who else is concerned about their kids' faith? Amen. Amen. I'm concerned about my kids' faith because one day your kids will have to stand up for the faith. One day your kids will have to stand up for the faith. And I'm concerned about that because I know that one day their faith will need to be stronger than mine. One day their faith will need to be stronger than mine. But see, that's why we train them up now, right? Your seed that you planted, see, that seed has already been planted. That seed is growing. That seed is doing math. It's reading, right? Walking around, talking, depending on their age, sometimes talking too much. You know, I know. (laughs) All right? Half kid there. Will they produce, will you produce a good tree in that seed that produces good fruit? Do you know what bad trees produce? Come on. What if bad fruit? Right? Remember, it's not rocket science. This is a simple understanding of faith. This is a simple understanding of having a, 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 the right perception, which in the beginning we defined as your ability to see God's will. Your ability to see what God's will is. What is your perception? Do you have the right perception today? See, you have to listen to God to respond to God. Don't listen to God to have a reply. Listen to God to respond. You see, I want you to think about your perception concerning your faith. I'm going to tell you a quick story about a man who was in a warehouse. He had just gotten a job at a warehouse, and in this warehouse there was a cooler, okay? What they used to do is they would take the box, because they would stack boxes inside of this cooler, they would take the box and put the box in between the door and the wall so that the door wouldn't close, right? And so that's what they would do. And so this guy, he was new. And so what did he do? He opened the door and put the box inside the cooler, okay? But he didn't put a box there. So what happened? Door closed. What happened when the door closed, the door locks. And so now he's inside of this cooler, kicking and screaming, let me out, let me out. But nobody heard him. You know why? Because it was Saturday. Nobody was there. He was by himself. And so he thought to himself, I'm going to die in this cooler. And he said, man, I'm going to miss my wife. I'm going to miss my kids. He, he took out his wallet. He started looking at the pictures of his, of his children. And he sat down and put his head against the wall. He said, I'm going to die here. Moving forward on to that Monday, they found him. And you know what? He had died. He had died in that cooler. You know what the temperature was? 51 degrees. He didn't die from freezing. He died because he thought his perception was that I'm not going to make it. His perception was, God, 
I don't know how to do this. So I have to figure, you, I don't trust you to do it, so I got to send spies. I got to figure this thing out. See, your present circumstances do not determine your identity. God does. Don't believe the lives of the devil because they're comfortable. The lives of the devil will lead you to sin, and the wages of sin is death. See, the longer sin weighs you down, the more damage it does. Think about that. If you drop a weight from the edge of this stage onto your foot, probably wouldn't do much damage, right? You probably feel the little thud on your foot. Now think about that. That's like if you sin, boom, be quick to repent. I'm not saying that it doesn't hurt, it doesn't do damage, but it's minimal. But think about it, if you drop a weight from the top of the Sears Tower. The longer it weighs you down, the more damage it does. Do you see how important your perception is? If you all could stand with me before I close. At this point, you to just think about it before we before I have this altar call before anybody even contemplates or feels in their heart to, to come up if you do feel in your heart to come up you can come up now if you want but I want to tell you now what is your perception of your faith see it's very important but don't think and don't make the mistake of thinking that your perception and your self-effort will increase your faith. It is only by the Word of God that our faith increases. It's only by the Word of God. See, faith comes by hearing, right? Hearing by the Word of God. It's only by the Word of God. Let's go to Philippians uh, really fast. Let's go to Philippians. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Do you stop at the first part? I can do all things and leave out the second part? No, right? And if you do, you must be a marvelous Christian. You must be so good. So you have to be careful because there's no such thing as a celebrity Christian. There's no such thing as a good Christian. You are either a Christian or you are not. You are either in sin or you are, or you are living holy. You are either living for Jesus or you are living for the world. You are either a friend of God or you are a friend of the world. You are either doing discipleship or you are not. You are either striving for excellence or you are failing. We have some of the most talented worship leaders up here that I've ever seen in my life, and I've been all over this great country. And praise God. But God isn't concerned about how well we sing. 
God isn't concerned at how well the, the, the pluck of the string of a guitar sounds and how that vibration just makes it sound just right. God is concerned about your heart. He's concerned for you. And he wants you today. He wants you today. See, if you're here today and you're questioning God, should I be here? There has to be something hindering your perception, right? How have you done anything in your brief time of existence without Jesus? It is the Spirit of God in you, in His temple. Where is the temple of God? Where is the temple of God? Point to it. Point to it. Where's the temple of God? The temple of God is here. The Spirit, that's what God says in His Word, right? If the Spirit of God is in you, that has given you the ability to even have the mind renewed, to even perceive that you don't, that you don't even want to be like Peter when he denied Jesus. See, Peter said that, God, I'll never, I'll never make that mistake. God, I'll never stumble. I promise, God, I'll never. How many of you have had that same promise to God? I'll never watch this again. I'll never do this again, God. God, I forgave her. God, I forgave him. But see, God, he knows your heart. God is saying, why are you still jacked up then? He knows your hidden sin. He knows the bitterness. He knows the anger. He knows the jealousy. But God wants you to be set free today. I welcome you guys to come up. If you would like prayer for God to heal any brokenness, for God to heal you, for God to restore your mind, for God to restore your perception of him, for God to restore your love for him, for God to restore uh, uh, your relationships with him and, and the people around you, for God to restore the love that you have for his people, I invite you to come up right now because God wants you. God desires for your faith to increase. Are you saved today? Is anything hindering your perception today in, of God? Can, do you have the ability to see what God's will is? I'll pray. And after I pray, we can be dismissed. I pray that God, we can be like Caleb and Joshua, God, and see the promised land. God, I pray that we can see that it's good, God. God, I pray, I know sometimes that there's a battle, God, but we have already have the victory in you, God, because we have you, Jesus. God, sometimes these problems in our lives, God, they seem like giants to us. But God, you can slay any giant. God, you can heal any brokenness. God, because of your son, Jesus, we can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens us. We have every spiritual blessing. God, may this word go forth, God. May we apply it to our lives, God. May we have a keen perception of what our faith should be, God. And it is only by your word, God, 
Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you guys so much. God bless you. If you want prayer, please stand for prayer. Line up or, you know, we'll have more leaders come out.